Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. I'm Heather Klug, registered dietitian with the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center. With me today is Bethany DeBrew Adams, our health communications coordinator. Hello, Bethany. She's so excited to see me today. I Hello, am. Heather. You're so like happy and chipper. Well, you were gone on vacation. I missed you. I was. It was nice to get away. She's all suntanned and looks what? so relaxed. A little crispier than today. Tan, I would say, but yeah, I feel a little relaxed too. Yeah, so it was good. And I'm just excited to talk about today's topic because I like it. So, April is Earth Month, mm-hmm. and Earth Day is on April 22nd this year. So, yes. coming up in today's episode, Bethany and I will be discussing food swaps that will not only promote good health and especially heart health, mm-hmm. but that also protect our planet. Yeah. I mean, I like living here. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I like Earth. <laughs> I'd like it to stay around <laughs> for a while. And we as humans are not always the best at taking care of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I both, we've talked about this before, we're both pretty environmentally conscious. We do our best recycling, upcycling. Right. We try to use less plastics. Right. Single-use plastic, especially. You know, we all have a role to play in protecting Earth. And there are things that each of us can do. And it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. find the things to start off with that work best for you that are achievable. And then go from there. Because it's our individual behaviors that are going to impact the Earth and the ocean. And every person that lives here today and tomorrow and however long Earth is here. Right. So, you know, we could really get into the weeds on this topic. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot to discuss and we're so passionate about it. But let's get to our focus today. And the focus is food. Mm-hmm. So, Heather, in a lot of our previous episodes, you've shared with listeners how eating healthier can reduce the risk for chronic health problems, obviously, such as heart disease. Mm-hmm. That's that's our brand. And diabetes, you know, as well as promoting overall good health. But now there's another great reason to make healthy food choices because it's good for the environment. So can you tell us a little more about how that, you know, works out? Absolutely. So Every single time we go to the grocery store or go to restaurants, Mm -hmm. the foods we order and put in our grocery cart determine which foods get produced globally. For example, when large numbers of people mainly buy and order beef, Mm -hmm. that signals to farmers that there's an increased demand. Right. And they, in turn, will raise more cattle. And then sometimes, at least with cattle, even trees get cut down so that the cattle have more land to graze on. A great example of this is in Brazil. Right. right? They've cut down large chunks of the Amazon rainforest Mm -hmm. um, and that's led to a lot of changes in climate. So the same goes for other foods, too. Right. And this, you know, we learned about this way back in elementary school about supply and demand. Mm -hmm. So when you mentioned cattle, that made me think of driving by cattle because (laughs) that tends to happen here. And it smells. Yes, it sure does. And so cows tend to produce methane Mm -hmm. by burping and farting, for (laughs) lack of a better term. And that releases these smells, obviously, and methane into the atmosphere. Yes. 
Cows are ruminants, so that will happen. They're going to burp and they're going to fart. Cows, they're just like us. Yes. So unfortunately, (laughs) they do release a lot of methane into the air. So yeah, not a fun thing to talk about. But a funny thing to talk about. Okay, maybe funny. (laughs) But foods have various what climate scientists call carbon and water footprints, Mm -hmm. and some are better than others. The goal, obviously, would be to have both low water and carbon footprints. Right. While individual foods have water and carbon footprints, so do our overall eating patterns that affect the planet. So I know, I think, where this is going, (laughs) but I'm going to ask you, which eating patterns are going to be the most Mm eco-friendly? You can probably guess, Mm -hmm. based on what we've been talking about already, plant-based diets have much smaller water and carbon footprints compared to animal foods. According to a study from the University of Michigan, meat and dairy account for 75% of carbon emissions from food. Wow. Yep, 57% from meat, so that's the bulk of it, Mm -hmm. and then 18% from dairy. Wow. One serving of meat releases 330 grams of carbon dioxide into the air versus just two grams for beans (laughs) and lentils. That is... A big difference. 330 versus two. That's okay. big time math. Yeah, and plant foods on average produce 10 to 50 times fewer carbon dioxide emissions compared to animal foods. Okay. Not to mention that many plant foods are carbon sequesters. That means they remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Another thing we learned about in elementary school. Sure, that you maybe forgot about. Probably. Yeah, and especially food that's grown on trees. Right. Mm-hmm. Animal foods also generally utilize more water resources. For example, 39 gallons of water are used to produce one pound of vegetables versus, wait for it here, okay, 1,847 <gasps> gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. Whoa. So if you have milk at home or you buy water <laughs> right. in those gallon jugs, right. just picture that, 1,847 of them well, you're gonna for f- one pound of beef. You're going to flood your basement <laughs> with that, that's for I sure. I mean, that's so much, right? Yeah. Yeah. One more thing to add, Bethany. Okay. I don't want to bog people down with too many statistics here, but according to a 2017 study on the environmental impacts of national dietary recommendations, Mm -hmm. if you live in a high-income country such as the United States, following the recommended dietary guidelines, and ours are more plant-based foods, slightly fewer animal foods, Mm -hmm. This would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 13 to 25%. Wow. Now, we talked about this in the U.S. Dietary Guidelines podcast that right. people on average, according to the Healthy Eating Index, are not doing that. Well, right. Yeah. We <laughs> are American It's around all. like 50 to 55% maybe that people are doing that. So if we all improved on that a little bit more, we could also cut down on these greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. So this is a topic of conversation that comes up in my house frequently, Mm. Uh and that's becoming vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a realist. I like my chicken. I like my turkey. I like my bacon. My husband is not so much a realist because he loves ribs, and he's always the one who wants to become a vegetarian. So... (laughs) does this mean that we should all become vegetarians because like i'm not i'm not giving up my cheese i'm not giving up my bacon i'm not giving up 
you know, my yeah. milk. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, Bethany. So cutting out all meat and dairy isn't going to be realistic for everyone. Right. You as a Thank great you. example of that. Thank you. My husband will be a great example <laughs> of that. To be honest, I don't even know if I could 100% give up those things either. You do like cheese. I love cheese. Yes. I like cheese. What am I going to say? <laughs> Grew up in the dairy state. So I would instead recommend some easy food swaps that we all can do to improve not just our health, but to also help the environment. There are so many options, but I'll share with you four food swaps that have big impacts on your health and the environment. Okay, so what is the first of these swaps? Okay, swap number one is going to deal with what you were just talking about. Okay. Okay. And that is to eat beans, peas, and lentils in place of meat at least once per week. Like a meatless Monday type Exactly deal. like meatless Monday. But it doesn't Monday. have to be a Monday. No, 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 no. It can be any day of the week. Whatever day works for you. Exactly. And we have tons of great meatless recipes on our Pinterest page. Mm-hmm. Just, there's a whole board on there. Go click away. Yep. Lots of yummy things. So we'll put that in the show notes, yes. right? Okay. I'll put in stuff from Meatless Monday, too, because they've got lots of great recipes there as well. So the reason we want to do this, I think we partially know why, at least for our health, the plant-based protein foods like the beans, peas, and lentils, they're going to help reduce risk for heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, type 2 diabetes, cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But cutting down on red meat is really the best way to reduce your carbon footprint. Okay. I cannot emphasize that one enough. That is just, red meat is the biggest carbon emitter. So beef and lamb mainly are the ones that fall into that category. Okay. Now, if everyone in the United States skipped red meat just one day per week for a whole year, it would be the equivalent of taking 7.6 million cars off the road. Wow. Now, to also address what you were saying, you like your chicken and yes. your bacon and things <laughs> like that, even switching from beef to chicken, pork, and fish helps. Okay. Now, those foods still emit carbon as well. Right. Okay, or they're carbon emitters, but it's way less. So I mentioned like 330 grams before for beef. Mm-hmm. It's like around 50 to 60 for like chicken and okay. turkey and pork and those kind of things, right? So it's better. It's like a step in the right direction. Sure. And that's because pigs and poultry don't produce methane. So they don't burp and They don't burp gas. and pass gas, I guess, yes. <laughs> and they also use less water, so they have a lower water footprint. So okay. that's kind of nice, too. So how I want people to think of this is just eating less meat less often and to eat smaller portions of that. Which versus, we all need to do anyway. Right. Versus <laughs> completely eliminating something out, I think that's a lot more realistic. Right. Okay. okay. Can we talk a little bit about kind of like the dairy and stuff like that? Because sure. we are here in the dairy state. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think many of us are ready to get rid of the dairy. So what should <laughs> right. we do instead? So swap number two is to switch to organic or grass-fed eggs and dairy. So we're not cutting them out. We're just switching the source of it, right? Okay. So these foods are less damaging to the environment. Fewer pesticides are needed. Makes sense. Yep. And they're more nutritious for us. So you're getting more what we call like good fats or healthy fats, like maybe heard of CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, Mm -hmm. and you're getting less bad or harmful fats. I hate to call bad, but things that are considered more harmful, saturated fat, you're getting less of that. You're getting less cholesterol 
well. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a healthier omega-3 to omega-6 ratio because the chickens and the cows are eating grass, right? right? Instead of eating corn, those kind of things. Plus, you're getting more vitamins and minerals as well. And I'd like to say... I've had an egg from like someone's backyard chicken coop and the flavor difference and the visual difference is just amazing. Like Mm -hmm. the yolk is almost orange a lot of the time and it's rich looking. It's so rich looking. It's rich in flavor. It's like your eyes will suddenly be opened to like, I've never tasted an egg before until I've had this. And it's just, they're more expensive, unfortunately, but like. There's so many benefits taste-wise and Mm -hmm. nutrition-wise and environmental-wise. The other thing I just wanted to point out before we move on to the next swap is when you're looking at labels, Mm -hmm. the thing about like certified organic or grass-fed or whatever. Cage-free. Cage-free. Those are all kind of like a – they all have gray areas. Mm -hmm. So they might not be giving you what they're saying they're giving you. So what you want to look for is – pasture raised eggs Mm -hmm. that means that the chickens are given room to roam and room to peck away at the grass right Right. and also third-party labels such as animal welfare approved or certified humane those Mm -hmm. are going to make sure that the animal conditions are actually what they say they're supposed to be yeah so moving on to the next category what's the next swap you can give us okay swap number three i've talked about this before but choosing whole grains over those refined grains yes so you're going to get more of that beneficial fiber plus several vitamins and minerals that help with lowering cholesterol blood pressure stabilizing those blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. and thereby reducing your risk for heart disease type 2 diabetes many cancers and so on And it's also better for the environment because less processing is involved, Which makes sense. Yeah. The grain doesn't have to go through a mill and have good parts taken off of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, this last one, I found this to be um, kind of amazing because I did not know that this was a thing. I didn't know that this was supposed to be a thing. I didn't either, to be honest. So for all of those (laughs) out there who drink coffee... Listen up. This one's for you. That's right. So swap number four is switch to shade-grown coffee. Now, I don't drink coffee, so I never paid any attention to where or how. I just know that they grow it in Colombia. That's probably what I know. But it's actually (laughs) supposed to be grown in the shade. Yeah. I mean, I've been drinking coffee for over a decade now, and I didn't really think about too much about how coffee was grown, but really... Coffee is best grown when it's grown in the shade. Mm-hmm. A lot of, not all, but a lot more and more coffee is being grown in full sun. Right. Because there's such demand for coffee. And you can grow more of it. And you can grow more of it. So they'll cut down trees, kind of like what we talked about with the cattle, so they can make more coffee beans, mm-hmm. right? Or produce more coffee beans. So we really want coffee that's grown in the shade. Again, that's better for the environment, right? Because really what happens with that is you're going to need less fertilizer and pesticides to grow that because birds are attracted to the trees that grow above the coffee. And they actually eat the insects that would affect the coffee plants. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's one part of it. Plus, all those trees that grow over the coffee, it's going to pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere again. Gotcha. Here's that carbon sequestration again. Okay. okay. 
Not to mention you're going to have less soil erosion. Sure. Okay. And if this doesn't get you, you're going to have better tasting coffee. Right. I think that's important to most people who drink coffee. I would assume so. Yes. And the good part about this is I did a little research for on behalf of all you coffee loving listeners out there. (laughs) You want to look for certifications such as organic, free trade, or bird friendly. And you can find these types of coffees at Walmart. You Mm -hmm. can find them at Target. You can find them at Trader Joe's. Just be aware, obviously, they are going to cost a little more. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't buy coffee so I don't really have a frame of reference but it looked a little more pricey to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it also it looked like they sold them in bigger like bags of yeah. it so yeah. you get more you pay a little more right but right uh, if you're buying more of the shade grown coffee they're gonna grow there's gonna more. be more demand and over right. time that should help bring down the price maybe a little bit I'm not sure but it will also encourage those farmers to continue to grow coffee that exactly. way. That's what we want. And I know that there's some big name coffee houses out there. They're not paying me, so I'm not going to give them free advertising. Oh. But there are some out there who actually do use solely shade-grown coffee. Yeah, the one that's within four minutes of every person probably on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. So any other recommendations you have to improve both your health and the environment with what you choose to eat? Yes. So I have three other ideas. Okay. The first one is something all of us can probably improve on. Yes. And that is wasting less food. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I am a culprit here. I'll I be very honest. I think we all are. Yeah, I I've am gotten too. better over time, but... <laughs> Um, more than 30% of available food is tossed out every year. Wow. But that's coming from farms, distributors, stores, and then to us consumers as well. Mm-hmm. Now, that's enough to fill Chicago's Willis Tower. Sears Tower. Always Sears Tower. Okay. <laughs> but to fill that tower, that's a very tall tower. It used to be mm-hmm. the tallest one in the world. Not anymore. But you can fill that 44 times every year for the wow. amount of food that we waste. And this translates to 133 billion pounds of food that gets tossed out each year in the U.S. And the typical American family tosses out $1,500 worth of food each year, Bethany. Ouch. That's a lot of cash. Yeah, it is. And it's it's really sad because I think we all kind of saw this in sharp focus last year when the pandemic hit and we saw so many people who needed food and we're kind of like how do we get more food to them so what are some solutions for less food waste okay there is a movement underway to sell ugly fruits and vegetables you can't see me but i'm doing air quotes here (laughs) the ugly fruits and vegetables so these are usually fruits and veggies that are misshapen or maybe just don't look the greatest little bruised little bruised sometimes where people might not want to buy them Mm -hmm. and put them in their cart and take them home so there are a couple companies that um, sell them like imperfect foods and the other ones misfits market Overall, these fruits and veggies that are considered ugly are less expensive, and they'll deliver them right to your home, which is kind of cool, too. So really what this will do is it'll help cut down on food waste, which is nice. So that's one option. You could buy ugly fruits and vegetables. Sure. From food companies and restaurants, there's a movement underway here as well to get edible but blemished foods into cafeterias. So if you're going to be cutting stuff up and sticking them in mixed dishes or mashing it or whatever, like who cares what it looked like to begin with? (laughs) You're never going to know it was a little misshapen or 
had a bruise on it or something. And then I know the other big thing happening is that, you know, figuring out how to get some of this food that would normally get thrown out from grocery stores and maybe restaurants at Mm -hmm. the end of the day and getting that food to food banks and local food pantries. Right. Because legally, stores cannot sell foods once they're past their, like, sell-by dates. Mm -hmm. So you'd have a lot of things like crackers and cereal and stuff in cans or packages that they would have to get rid of. And it's not spoiled. It's It's not spoiled. It's totally fine to eat. So now... Again, they've been getting these things to people who could use that kind of food. Like I know there's a place here in the Milwaukee area called Just One More Ministry, and they do just that. Oh, that's Um, nice. Yeah, like all these, they've been working with local grocery stores and certain restaurants, and they bring things on a certain day of the week. And it's it's a lot of food. Like I kid you not, I went once and it was like, wow, like this is stuff that would have gotten thrown out. Wow, that's you know, crazy. That would have just gone in the landfill, and here it could go to feed people. Right? <laughs> right. Which makes so much more sense. Yeah. So what about those of us at our own house? Because I know these these get hard. Like, because, <laughs> you know, let's, let's face it. We've all gone to the store and been in the produce department especially and have been like, ah, I'm going to make all of this and this oh, and yeah. this and this. Yeah. And then – Oh, yeah, three weeks later, I bought a whole bag of blueberries, and they are now rotten at the bottom of my fridge. Oh, no. So Yeah, I think we've all done that where we've overbought. Yeah. Right, good intentions, mm-hmm. but then didn't getting around to using it. So the biggest tip is probably, and I know everybody hates hearing this, it's the dreaded P word, but meal planning. Yes. Putting some thought in, sitting down, putting a little time into some meals that you're going to make during the week, and then making that grocery list yes. and sticking to it when you're at the grocery store. Yes. And I sigh and roll my eyes, but I do this every week and I hate it. <laughs> but I do it. Good. Because it has to be done. Yeah. So it prevents you from buying too many things. Right. Okay. So that is helpful. You can also freeze foods. I think a lot of us know this. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned the blueberries. So if I know I'm not going to get around to eating like berries, I'll just freeze them. Okay. Or if I have some kind of other vegetables, I know I can freeze those if I didn't get around to making a certain dish. Mm-hmm. You can um, freeze herbs. You can freeze herbs. Yep. You can freeze, freeze milk. And, Ice cube trays, you can even freeze milk. I don't think everybody knows that. Or if you have leftover stuff, like if you cut up part of an onion to use in the recipe, but you're not using all of it, cut up the other part of the onion you're not Mm going to use and just stick it in a baggie and freeze it. That way you've got it ready to go for another meal. Or if you've opened a can of tomato sauce and you only needed like three tablespoons. Because that's how it works. Yes. And you you know, you're not going to use the rest of it. You don't have a recipe for it. You freeze it. Mm -hmm. Again, stick it in a baggie. Yes. Take out as much air as you can and just freeze it. That way you're not wasting foods. And you mentioned like the starchy things, crackers, cereal, pasta that's already in a package. Mm -hmm. That best buy date is really kind of arbitrary. It is. And usually I've found that like if it's under a year for most things like that, yeah, it's still going to taste fine. You're going right. to notice if it smells off or, you know, if it's, right. if it's starting to take on the flavor of the box that it came in, <laughs> you can usually smell or that. Or smells a little funky, yeah. sure. But yeah, don't just open it up first and test it before you just throw it out. Okay? What about the big one? Eggs. Oh, yes. I always get, people always ask about eggs. What about <laughs> the expiration date on eggs? Okay, if you don't know this already... You can go three to five weeks past that expiration date. My family may or may not have gone longer. <laughs> I'm not going to. 
And there's another test you can do if you really want to. Mm-hmm. But you put some cold water in a bowl, stick the eggs in there. If they sink, they're still good to use. If they float, they're not good. Throw them away. Don't crack them ahead of time. Throw out your floated eggs. <laughs> So another tip is if you've got some veggies that are starting to wilt Mm -hmm. in that refrigerator drawer, you can crisp them up in a bowl of ice water. Really? Yeah. So if the carrots and the celery are starting to not look so great, even some of your herbs, go ahead, stick them in some, you know, ice water. My mom used to always put carrots in ice water when I was a kid. Now I'm wondering if they were all kind of wilty and rubbery when she did that, Mm. just to sneak them past us. Yeah. What about storage of foods. Yeah, that's pretty important. So they'll last longer. So if you buy a lot of things in um, packages or cans, use um, the first in, first out procedure, right? Okay. So you're using the thing that's going to expire first. That gotcha. makes sense. Because sometimes we're just shoving stuff in the pantry. We get home and it's like, ah, I just want to get this stuff put away. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. What are you happen? talking about? Come on, everybody does that. I'm just going to put it here for now. I'll deal oh, with it later. I don't want to do it. Or I'll it shove now. it back here. And then five years later, you're like, oh, I didn't know I had this in I've here. I that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. Other things too. So once fruits and veggies are cut open, I think most people know this, but store them in the refrigerator, but put them in an airtight container. Right. Right? Don't just stick them in there. You'd be surprised at how many people do that. Oh, I know. I've seen it. And then also thinking about the fridge. Store items that need to stay very cold at the bottom of the fridge. Because cold air sinks. Yes. Warm air rises. Cold air sinks. We're doing a lot of like elementary school education today. Yeah, we are going back to a lot of that. (laughs) So we should be putting that knowledge we learned so long ago into practice. Exactly. So now you mentioned fruits and veggies. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we can do with fruits and veggies that can help the environment as well? Sure probably know this but choosing organic fruits and vegetables right yes and i know sometimes this can get a little more pricey right so i have a solution to this so you could follow the dirty dozen and the clean 15 this i've actually heard of sure it's been around for a long time it's been around for a while Mm -hmm. and i think i know because the clean 15 are things that can be peeled that have like a thicker skin that you're probably going to peel to use so things like pineapple or an avocado or eggplant right you know papaya we'll put the list on here so we don't have to go through all the right yeah those are the things that you don't need to buy organic right but then there's the dirty dozen which have the thinner skins or the skins that you eat yeah that or they're foods that just require more pesticides for them to grow. Uh, so they have more of the pesticide residues on them. Gotcha. I don't know if you want me to go through all of these or if we really want to do Hit that. Hit the high point. Okay. So the two big ones are strawberries and spinach. Yes. Should always buy those organic. Um, your different greens, kale, collard, mustard greens. Man, there's a lot of foods on here I like. Nectarines, <laughs> apples, grapes, cherries, peaches, pears, bell and hot peppers. First time hot peppers have been on the list, I believe. And then celery and tomatoes. So okay. those are all the ones to put the money towards buying organic. Right. Right? And then, like, if you buy bananas. You peel them. You, so You don't need to buy you organic. Don't need to. I mean, you can if you feel like you have the money to do it and you just feel that's You know, you feel very strongly about buying organic ones. You can do that, but you don't have to if you're looking to save a few bucks. Finally, I think we want to talk about our farmers and our farmers markets because summer is coming up Mm -hmm. soon. (sighs) 
regardless of what the weather is like outside. (laughs) So how does visiting a farmer's market actually help the environment? We talked about this way back last summer, but... Yeah, but if you you buy produce that's grown locally, that helps reduce carbon emissions because... You don't need a lot of transportation right. to get the food to where it needs to go, right? And then not to mention it supports your local farmers, which is great. So make sure you visit those farmers markets this summer. Mm-hmm. Another option certainly is to grow your own food. Yeah. Yeah. Get some of those raised garden beds if you don't have, you know, room in your yard to do it. You can um, even grow like things in pots, pots. if you have just yeah. a little balcony or a little right. area. Right. Yeah. Lots of things you can do. Yeah, so this Earth Day and after, pick one or more of these food swaps for Preferably good health. more. Yeah, <laughs> and to help our planet at the same time. Now, if you're listening to us on the Karen Janssen or YouTube channel, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any of our heart-healthy content. Well, thanks for listening today, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.darinyantcenter.org. Like us on Facebook at Center and follow us on If you like what you hear, so and be sure to tell us. Until next time, be ruler of your own heart.